Welcome back to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thank you for spending time with us. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good morning, and we are happy to have with us once again from Sweden, consultant and publisher of The Dispatcher, Michael Senna. Hi, Michael. Good to be back. Good to see you both. I hope it was a terrific summer. And it as was you a great just, summer. Just mentioned, also joining us again is Bryce Rasmussen, Princeton class of 25, who's been doing some great work with Alan over the summer, as you may have seen in our last episode. Hi, Bryce. Nice to talk to you again, Fred. I'm good to well, meet you, Michael. And we're going to turn first to some headlines from the new edition of The Dispatcher. After a little hiatus here, another very worthwhile read that takes us from Steinbeck to Standards for Driverless Vehicles. And both, Michael, are related to your summer visit to the U.S. Well, the... the um... The first visit, which is which is the one that will be coming into the musings when I uh, when I release that in a couple of weeks, was the visit that I made back in um, April and May to uh, Princeton, primarily Princeton, uh, ostensibly for the Smart Driving Car Summit, which was uh, I won't say canceled; it was postponed until a later date. So I had a lot of time, including having a, a wonderful dinner with with uh, my friends, including including Fred and his wife, uh, meeting Alan and actually having dinner with him as well. Um, yeah, it became a very different type of of uh, three or four days, actually five days in Princeton, getting to to see the the town for maybe the first time in quite a while with with new eyes, and then continuing on to Philadelphia and through Scranton, up through up through Scranton and then back. So it was it was a uh, too long, two very good weeks. So um part of what I I experienced in that two week period is going to be showing up in the in musings. Um but the main article and one of the re main reasons that I decided that that I needed uh, a three month break well, there were two. One was that I felt my my readers were getting overwhelmed with the, the amount of reading I was giving them. But second was that I needed to uh, I needed to have some time to to write that lead article. As you've seen, it's uh, it is long. Um, I decided that I I wanted to change the direction of the conversation around driverless cars. Um, it seems to me and continues to seem to me that that it's it's like if i look at a video i'm an expert and i i firmly believe that the person who's making that video because he's made a video or she is an expert and i know that's not true because i watch i watch videos of people flying tying flies all the time and i say to myself that person doesn't know what they're talking about and so the opening of the article, the lead article, um, is an experience that I had, actual experience, <clears throat> driving to the Newark airport after the two weeks in Princeton and, and Scranton, um, listening to my, my favorite uh, public radio station. And there was something on there about a, a, a young boy who had listened to a video 
uh, and had died as a result of following the direction in the video. And the, video, and, the, and the directions were, hold your breath until you pass out. Hold your breath until you pass out. And he did. And he did. And he died. Because he didn't listen to, well, he didn't listen to his own head. And he probably didn't listen to the other video, which says, if you do this, you have a chance of dying. What I wanted to say with this is that we need to be better about the whole issue of what we're actually discussing with driverless cars. Driverless cars will have robots performing the task of driving. Those robots are not humans. They're not sentient. They're not, there's nothing close to being, to, to them having the, the possibilities of doing what humans do. So in this lead article, I've tried to put the issues which are very, very important, but which are not being discussed. The closest we get to a, to a discussion about the difference between a robot and a human is the, is the trolley problem, which is really, not, it's, it's, it's so, such a, a terrible uh, analogy to be using in the context of, of, uh, of driverless cars. So I know it's I, I know it's long and I know it's got a lot of information in it but I feel that that the time that I put it put into it is will be worthwhile I hopefully for people who do take the time to read it. I know it's I, I, impossible I, I, to summarize but I don't know if you want to. I mean well, one of the well, things that Fred, you Fred, say, if, I, if I if I can jump ahead, in Alan. because a lot of people we have I have commented on the poor trolley problem in the past and I've said I've refused to even participate in any more discussions on the trolley problem. This is like whatever uh because I I probably need three cocktails in which to be able to sit through it. But I must admit Michael you did a you 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 did a really fantastic job in discussing the trolley problem in this context. Uh, essentially, certainly the the best that I've heard. So I really do want to encourage our readers and our, our and um, and and you to go on and, and describe uh, how you the context that you put the trolley problem in here. So go ahead. Yeah. So the the key is that the other example that I give is that there was a five year old who stole his family's car, um, you know, the classic runaway, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't like my parents anymore and I'm going to, I'm going to go someplace and I'm going to leave them. And so the kid stole the car ostensibly. He was, he was in Idaho or someplace like that, you know, someplace in the middle of the watch, country. Watch it, watch it, watch yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Michael. I know. So <laughs> um, and he was going to drive to California and because that's where people under, would understand him. And he got pretty far. I mean, he, he took off in the car and he, he was driving for, I don't know, five, long enough to be able to get on a highway and get the attention of a, of a police officer who, you know, or, or uh, yeah, police officer who pulled him over, five-year-old kid driving a car. Essentially, what we have today are the equivalents of driverless cars being driven by five-year-olds. I mean, a five-year-old can get in a car, can start the car, can put it on a highway and can drive that car without getting himself into an accident. 
that's basically what we have today with our our so-called driverless cars. We don't have cars that drive like humans. Humans and robots are two different things. We cannot, at this point, program a robot to drive in the same way that we can, that humans drive. And that's the other part of what I wanted to put into this article. There's got to be some fundamental information about how we, as humans, do things that are different from animals. We're both, we're mammals, but but they do things and they have brains and they do certain things. And sometimes we'd say, oh, they're really smart. That bird is really smart. That, you know, that, that chimpanzee, is, look at what that chimpanzee can do. But they can't do what humans can do. And that's why, that's why we are where we are. Sorry, folks, but if you know if I'm I'm offending anyone, I really apologize. But it's that's just the reality of it, and we cannot think about the tasks of driving as something that can be done by a five-year-old or by a chimpanzee. We need to have people who are in a position of providing the the methodologies that enable a car to be driven in equivalent way as a human being and we're still not we're not even addressing those issues at this point and that's the other reason why i wrote the article um whether it gets read whether whether it's whether somebody comes back and say you know there are so many holes that i can that i can punch into this this article that you've written fine do that but let's have that conversation so you, you, what you're talking about are, are standards that, that yes. are needed that need to be developed and you're saying don't rush that. Exactly. There, there, are, there are four points that I've made in terms of the recommendations for robust standards process. The whole, this whole article is about getting people who are, are capable. And one of, the, one of the most important things in being capable is that you, you, you know, don't call in Einstein. He, the guy didn't even have a driver's license. You know, get people who know what it is to drive a car, who are capable of understanding what it takes to drive a car. You can be the smartest person in the world. But if you've never driven a car, you shouldn't be close to getting close to anything related to putting people, taking people out of cars and putting robots in them. So first of all, make sure that you've got people who are, who are capable of doing this because they know what it is. The other thing that's a very important, and it goes through the entire article, is that we have to remove individual biases. If we have one car doing one thing because it's been programmed by, by Elon Musk or someone like him telling people, you do it this way, and we have another group who are programming with someone else who's in charge saying, you do things this way, you now have two essentially you've got two standards you've got driverless cars with two standards if a human can manage those 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 problems but we still have 40,000 people being killed in cars in the united states and 28,000 in, in in the within the eu we still make a lot of mistakes and don't even believe in the slightest possibility that cars with different biases are not going to make the same kinds of mistakes because I do one thing and you do something else. And I've given, I gave the example of that. Two cars are going at each other and suddenly somebody's in your lane 
and you don't know why that person is there. Is that person intent on killing you and him? He's using you as a as a as a as a uh, suicide weapon, or is the, has he fallen asleep, or or did I wake up in Sweden when yesterday I was in in England driving a car and that actually happened to me? I was driving out of the driveway once. One, this is many years ago, but I was in the wrong lane, and someone was coming at me. I'm thinking, what what is that person doing? Why is that person in the wrong lane? Until I realized I was in the wrong lane. Those kinds of things can happen. So you don't know what, why that person is coming at you at 90 miles an hour. And what, do I, what am I going to do? You have to, there has to be some set of, 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 of rules. And I call them standards that say, these are the things that you need to be aware of. And these are the <laughs> conditions that you have to take into account. That's just one example. There, there are hundreds of those kinds of, of, of examples. So eliminate the biases. There is no urgency in this. There's nothing forcing us to get people into cars with no driver. There's nothing that, that that's making that an essential thing other than what, what Alan and I are writing about in our, in our book, which is there is a problem that can be solved, but we don't have to solve that problem at the expense of safety. We can make sure that things are working properly. And the, and the way that we can make sure that things are working properly is that we have good standards that everyone is following and that there aren't any rogues out there who are doing things that, you know, I can do this over here, but I can do it over here. And it, it's the same thing. Why can't I do it in, in your country? I can do it in, you know, Saudi Arabia. So I can, why can't I do it here? And then the third, the third is, is, to really look at what the different systems, the thinking, the, the, the control systems, the way we work, the way we think, to get those right, to get the people in the room who are also capable of, of explaining these things to the people who know how to drive and, and, and know the, the physics and, and also know the programming capabilities. So it's these four things, objectiveness, get the systems, systems and type straight, eliminate the biases, and don't rush it. Alan, oh, I know you, 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 yeah. go, go ahead. I, I know yeah. you've spoken for years about the need for you know, cooperation when it comes to safety. I mean, there's there's a piece of, of that in, in what I think Michael is saying. But the, there's also, I mean, the, the desire to start providing, you know, new forms of mobility to people who need it. So how do, how do these pieces fit together? Well, I, th I think that uh, it's all extremely difficult, as we're all finding that it is extremely difficult. And then what I certainly appreciate by by what uh, Michael put out is is of course uh, you know the 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 depth to which this is a in some sense a conundrum. It is it is really difficult. And bringing out you know all the Daniel Dan um, Kahneman um, concepts with respect to cog. Uh, uh, cognitive thought and, and and so on. This is this is what I try to bring to my students. I mean, you know, Dan Dan was a professor here, so mm -hmm. you know, I I times I disagreed with Dan because you know I consider us all rational because because by my definition of rationality and by my what I choose to to believe with respect to how we make fundamentally end up making decisions uh because if we have alternatives i sort of come out as you know we i'm i'm a pick from the top person 
and some, however, our brain is oriented and whatever the various options that we have, uh, whether they be, um, you know, the, the sort of uh, what I, some people call knee jerk, which are sort of, you know, I mean, if you look at an athlete, they don't have time to think everything happens. I mean, it happens in the spinal column and in some sense, in terms of the decision making that goes on, they don't have time to go to the brain and come back. Um, and, and, and however that comes, it comes from a choice, a, a choice process somewhere where it, you end up picking from the top, but that picking from the top includes the various components, the two important components that Michael points out there. And, and you know, we might think we could go back and write an equation for it in terms with coefficient out in front to whatever function in the front, like a hyperbolic cosine of the inverse square root of who knows what, um, you know, out there. But in fact, you know, this is, I, I think that this is how we're wired and so on. And, and of course, it, it comes into the whole process of you know, what, what the information that we happen to have, not have, how we treated the biases. Even I said, I said as I greeted the freshman in engineering yesterday, you know, um, um, we all have to look into the future in terms of making decisions and the, the looking into the future, the the future is uncertain and my typical line is is uh, it's a good thing that god when she made the future she made it uncertain otherwise the world would be really boring i mean we just use f equals ma we'd be done you know it's not deterministic it, it, it has this this distribution associated with it, this variation uh, and it's great that we're all different too. Otherwise, again, it would be really boring if we were all the same. So all this has to be taken into account when we deal with um, not just the, the the instantaneous decision that is posed in a, in a trolley problem, but the continuous, who knows how many decisions that are made as we progress forward, trying to not hit something. And it's just it's just in some sense mind-boggling as to everything that goes on and, and the fact that we're actually in some sense able to do it. It surprises me I can drive down Nassau Street without sideswiping every car parked along the along the uh, along there, uh, you know. Um so I, and then I throw in there and say it must be easy because I can do it. I mean, we just <laughs> otherwise I'd fail all the time and i'll have a comment probably you make about that a little bit later on another top on a, on a side topic so i just think this is uh, michael i just thank you so very much uh uh classes start and who a week from today <laughs> well make sure they read it read this one because it's worth them thinking i mean this is a this is a really tough problem okay now, I'd also like to say there are some things that that people are trying to do with this that maybe certainly we should wait. We don't need to go 90 miles an hour if that's fast. I don't know what fast is. You know, speed is this concept of who knows how fast we're going through the universe right now anyway. Okay. Uh, but but fast relative to other things around like stationary trees or uh, the kinds of things that come at us, uh, 
those those are the speeds we're talking about and 90 miles an hour is fast where are we trying to get to so fast if i want to go to sweden i might want to go fast but if i'm going to if i'm going to my office it's a mile away you know maybe walking's just fine or going you know where are we going fast and 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 certainly, uh, you know, having the opportunity of not only time to make a correct, a more correct decision, but also the implications. Because if we're all just moving at twenty-five miles an hour to get to most of the things that we do in a typical day, then even if we run it head-on into each other. The consequences may not be, they, they may be worth, they, they, we may be able to justify them in some sense, because also Michael points out there, you know, the, the whole thing is, you know, somewhat is it somewhat worth it. <laughs> There's, mm-hmm. Everything's a risk. The future is a risk. It's uncertain. It is a risk. I mean, you know, otherwise, again, if this wants to be really safe, Huh. let's stay home okay everybody stay home but then the house gonna burn down i'm gonna die or it's gonna get hit by a by a hurricane uh, a lot uh, and we're thinking of of jeff brandis and folks in tampa i guess some of us are going down to florida automated vehicle symposium uh, which starts um, uh, basically a week from now and hopefully uh, everything is okay down there in tampa but anyway Well mm-hmm. said, uh, Alan. Uh, Michael, you have another headline in the dispatcher, rudderless at NHTSA. Yeah, NHTSA, NHTSA has turned out to be one of my, one of the issues that they're one of the the topics that just, it just keeps coming back more and more. Um, it's, in my, in my estimation, it's, it's one of the most important agencies or, or organizations within the US federal government. But for some reason it's it's being treated like it's it's like a backwater. I mean it was it had no one there during the the four years that the, the former guy was was in in power. Um, and um and and since then it it's essentially has hasn't had anybody who's been in charge either i mean they, they chose one person who you know after a, f- a few months decided he was going to do something that he was qualified to do and what i've said here is that the reason that th- this is happening is it, it's not culture wars it's not you know political backstabbing it's people who are responsible for putting the person in charge of this organization is putting someone there to do something that the agency is not intended for. It's not. It's not a climate change agency. It's not a. It's not the environmental protection agency. It shouldn't have people who are in there with an agenda that has absolutely nothing to do with traffic safety. That's what this organization is there for. This organization, NHTSA, is was established and was was is for traffic safety. Now. It took on the role of being somehow connected to having cars on the on the on the streets and highways that are less polluting. But as I said in the article, it did that basically to protect its territory. 
um, you know, the EPA should be doing what it's doing. NHTSA should be doing what it's not doing, which is making sure that it, the traffic safety is its, is its major issue. And, and this administration should stop putting people in there who have a completely different agenda from the people who are working there. You know, as soon as, if I come in with a with, into an organization, let's say I, I come into a to a club, and the club is intended to, I don't know, it's a fishing club, and I come in there, and I, I'm not a, not only am I not a fisherman, but I think that nobody should be fishing. So, I come in, I'm the I'm the now the 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 new chief in in charge of the of the fishing club, and I say you you people shouldn't even be fishing. Why in, in, in goodness name would that person have been appointed the head of a, of a fishing club if he doesn't want to or she doesn't want to, people to fish? Well, maybe because the people who are in charge of the world don't want people to fish. And this is one way of doing it. You know, get everybody in there who's against whatever these people are doing. That's what it seems like to me. If you don't want NHTSA to be in the traffic business, then stop the silliness and and disband NHTSA. But if you want it to be in the traffic business, put people in charge of it who are interested in, qualified for, and are burning, have a burning desire to ensure that the that the agency is doing what it should be doing. And I add on to that that they should want people to be able to improve their quality of life by going someplace. I mean, exactly. It, it, there, yes. there has to. I mean, it, life's a trade-off. Okay, life is a trade-off, uh, and there are uh, there are desires and 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 limitations, and 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 there's there's value and there's cost, and and you you have to do you have to do both ends. I you know otherwise you get all this like silliness of vision zeros and stuff. I mean. Uh, these things are hard, okay, and and um, and you you talk about that throughout your your articles here, Michael, and and again, I encourage the readers to. <laughs> you're such a good writer, Michael. Absolutely. Well, thank you, thank you, Owen. I appreciate that. Uh, I've 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 been beating up Tesla. You know, you know that. But it, <laughs> the the reason that I do is not because I I don't like Tesla. In fact, I like I like what they do. I like their business model. I like everything about them. There's something here that, and this is next issue, but it, it's something that's important to say here. Tesla's mission, their mission statement is to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. That's their mission statement. How are they going to do it? That's their strategy. Change the fundamental design of a product that people want, the car, from being a contributor to pollution to being climate neutral. You read a mission statement and a strategy for any other car company today, particularly today, and you don't have any clarity like this is like this one from Tesla. Tesla is doing exactly what it says it wants to do. Now we can question whether electric cars is the way to go about that. We can do that. They could they could be doing something completely different, but they've got a mission and they've got a strategy. If you don't have if your mission doesn't doesn't equal your strategy, and if you if you've got a lousy mission to start with, or if you if your mission is so 
wishy-washy that, not, that you know you could be you could be pushing vacuum cleaners versus pushing cars and there's one company that currently is doing that then you know you don't you know you, you don't have that kind of clarity so this is what nitsa and and the governments should be doing making sure that as you say we've got cars people want to drive them people need to drive them 80 percent of the trips wherever you are basically are, are taken except for new york city are taken using them they solve problems that that buses and trams and and subways don't solve don't punish people for driving cars make the cars better and then on that on that note you you bring up the subject of of electro fuels which people on this side of the of the pond so to speak maybe never have heard of tell, yeah. tell us more well, I'm I'm not an expert in this, you know. We have we we have a very good friend, Fred Dreyer, who's who is uh, who is an expert on this, and he, you know, would love to have him expound on this, uh, which he he of course can. But electric uh, electrofuels, e-fuels, are potentially an answer that they're not in search of a problem. The problem exists. We have we have fossil fuels that create carbon emissions. We have cars that use fossil fuels, and the only thing we can do is reduce and reduce and reduce the amount of fossil fuels that they need so we can reduce the amount of emissions. But if we could produce fuels that are used by cars that essentially are, are carbon neutral for a different reason, they're not carbon neutral because they don't push out carbon into the atmosphere. They're carbon neutral, neutral because they take carbon from the atmosphere, make it into a fuel, and then put it back. So essentially, we're, we're not we're not adding anything more. This is the other thing that I, I mean. There's a bunch of carbon up there, and that's the problem. You know, if we could just take all that carbon out and start start over again and throw it back up, we'd have another fifty or hundred years to put it all back. But we're a hundred years away now. Now we're we've got a hundred years of carbon that we've thrown up there, and we can't take it out. It's still there, and everything we put more put up, it just adds more and more and more, which is creating the problem. It, I I, I like to say we we need to eat it. Yes. Okay. Exactly. We need to eat it, and that's what okay? electric to me, fuels. To, to me, to me, that's that's the you know it's such a simple concept. If we yeah. eat it, then I don't know. Maybe we poop it. Okay, yeah. but you know, but 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 that's that's what it does, you know. And a lot of people want uh, carbon sequestration, you know, capture in all sorts of various ways. Great, 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 in which you know we just eat and it disappears. But at least in this thing, we can eat it, use it, get back, and 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 it's a it balances out. And it's especially important when we talk about aviation. If we yes. decide that we want to fly because of where we want to go and their speed is a different thing, okay? It's not the 25 miles an hour or whatever that's fine and dandy and throughout Princeton or central Jersey, uh, but you've got to – it's tough to hang it, – it, 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 the, the, the darn batteries we haven't done we we haven't done uh, the 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 improvement in batteries i love what we've done with computers in the last uh, 50 years uh, we haven't had moore's law 
if we do, then hey, then great. Then it's a different discussion. But go ahead, Michael. Um, well, you were doing just that, fine. Well, yeah, moving, no. moving along in the dispatch, yeah, I mean, yeah, and related yeah. to this is the is the China coal story that you have in here. Uh, Michael yeah. pointing out. Well, I, you know, it's I never I never give up lose a chance to to um, put in a plug put in a, a negative plug for china um you know and then as i as i say at the um at the end of the article i have a suggestion for the friday for futurists glue our hands to the rotus and splash paint on the painting is move your protest to china that's where more than 50 percent of the world's action is even on a per capita basis china is it, it's wonderful in terms of, of saying, we're going to do this, we're going to control this, and we're going to, to basically be number one in everything. And if you look at everything that they're number one in, one of the, one of the, the big ones is how much coal they use. Uh, it's no mystery to why they're able to produce as much as they produce and to generate as much electricity as they as they generate for electric cars they're burning twice as much coal as the rest of the world combined now we we have a we had god bless his soul hans rosling was a was a genius he was a very very good good scientist and he was able to explain things in ways that that people have people could understand what he was talking about very quickly and he wrote a book called Factfulness. And in this book, he says, look, you know, it's it's one thing to say that China burns a lot of coal, but on the on a per capita basis, you know, are they really are they really that bad compared to let's say the United States or the EU? So I I took a step back just so that I wasn't stepping on on, on China's toes because they don't like their toes being stepped on. To say on a per capita basis, you know, how are they doing? Well, as it turns out, they're not doing so well on a per capita basis either. Um, if if we want to be protesting and if we want to make sure that we have that we're controlling the amount of carbon that's going into the atmosphere, we've got to rein China in. China is not a developing country. They, we shouldn't be treating them like like we are currently under the under the uh, the UN acts um of you know of the developing nations like india and china and and others and then the developed world like the eu and 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 this is this is the reason why the republicans have been doing so well on this whole issue by saying look you know we're we're doing everything we can to reduce our emissions everything we can to to be better and there you have these countries over there treating them like you know they're developing because they they want to catch up to us. Well, we don't want them to catch up to us. We want to we want to continue to be number one. And so this is the issue that we have. And then you then you've got people inside the government. Um, the, the fellow who ran for president uh, from Massachusetts, who's you know, it's like he he's he's in a completely different world. You know what what we have to be best. We have to reduce everything that we're doing, and listening to everybody saying you know we have to we have to be absolutely number one and everybody else will follow us well unfortunately we're, we're we are number one but everyone else isn't following us following us including china and and the others so it's just to give us a little sense of, of reality here if anybody 
any one of the, you know, glue your glue your hands to the roads is listening, or splashing paint on on paintings is listening. Well, there there is much more to read, including the real origin of the Cybertruck. But let's turn to uh, <laughs> Alan and then Bryce. Alan, Tesla got your attention once again in the latest Smart Driving Cars newsletter with Elon Musk live streaming FSD beta V12, including a pretty significant disengagement. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I watched some. I'd like to think I watch many of these and um, and the many that I watch, I try to figure out what the, you know, what the objective really is of the people that are making these, as Michael said, with respect to the videos that are being made. And I try to look at, at, at where the smoke and mirrors are and where they're not quite telling us and uh, what is really going on and, and i do that because you know i guess in part i'm cynical another part because i've had uh, the good fortune of having some other people who really knew what was going on in some of these things tell me this was really what was going on in these things and so it, it's just fueled my cynicism and i don't need to uh, to divulge who those folks are and so on and it just I guess people have, have learned every once in a while. I put the command mans in in um, in smart driving cars and say, "Come on, man!" I mean, I, I, really. And I guess with this one, um, you know, I was watching this the speedometer for much of it, and it is you know it's twenty five miles an hour and so on. And, I guess they do go fast a little bit and so on, but it is, and it's moving around in a, in, in Palo Alto or whatever. And I guess I'm jealous of Palo Alto. No, I'm really not Princeton's, but way better. I mean, without a doubt better. Um, um, and, and, and a couple people are going for a ride. And in terms of doing stuff, um, I I couldn't see where they were faking it. I didn't pick it up. I'm gonna look at it some more and so on and see whether or not you know they were faking it. And I guess you know I'm such a I'm such a fanboy. I guess I believe it. I, I believe it. And and if 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 one is just trying to get around, we'll talk about it a little later. Get a ride to go someplace and whatever. Um, you know, whatever. We're not there yet, but but of the of the folks that I've seen and the experiences that I've had and and the the blood, sweat, and tears that I put into you know trying to do it myself and so on, I was pretty well impressed. But again, I'm I'm at this, and other people should. I'm just saying, I'm putting it out there. Everybody, take a look. Okay, if we still have we still have a hell of a long way to go, and as, as Michael said, you know this brain up here that ends up doing what we do, you know, we can't necessarily fly fifteen thousand miles like this bird I was reading about in the New York Times or something yesterday, or my wife Elizabeth brought up to me and stuff that we really can't do. But you know, anyway, so I don't know. Um, 
Uh, people should take a look at it. And then, you know, they had a disengagement. Okay. And of course, the headlines have been about the disengagement, and they should be. They shouldn't have one. I mean, we want to get to zero. We're not going to have anybody in there. The probability that we're going to have a disengagement has to be really small. But I do point out, and appropriately so, that people like Waymo, who have been absolutely as diligent as anybody could expect and will try to make sure that in fact they do it right and fix the problems when they trip over them because you don't know what you don't know and you're out there trying to find out what you don't know and what it is that it needs to be able to do i mean whatever and so on and i didn't know that if i held my breath until i passed out whatever <laughs> or i should have known maybe i should I, who knows whatever that whole business that michael talked about I'm wondering what what would happen. The implication is that you know uh, it would have been terrible and and like maybe likely so. But it, it'd be nice if, if Waymo would go in there and and take that disengagement and and figure out through their simulators, you know, the the, the scenarios and things like that of distribution of what would have happened if the intervention hadn't occurred. And that discussion hasn't been made yet. What I do know is I've done that. I've been in that situation. I've been in that exact situation more than once in which that turn arrow, I misinterpreted it as being my green. And I've taken my foot off the, off the brake, hit the gas. I've done it. Now, luckily, I guess, in the whatever nanoseconds and so on that go on, after that, I came to the realization, and I hit the brake. Okay? Now, I don't know. We don't know. There's only one reality out there. We know that the reality was disengagement. But we don't know what the system would have done if the dis disengagement went, which is the whole purpose of how Waymo argues, rightly so, let's go through the simulators and see what would have been. And we've got to, we shouldn't have even done that. Agreed. But that may not be the whole story. Plus, we should fix it to not do it at all. And I know I've done this more than once. And I tried to correct myself from this because I know, geez, that's not a good thing. And I don't know how many other people have been out there, and we've all been in those situations. You, 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 and, and so, again, this is something, it's great that they tripped over it. I'm essentially certain they'll go in there and put the, the enormous, they do have a lot of horsepower working on this. And, and probably the thing that should scare everybody is the amount of horsepower that they're apparently putting in on this. The, game, the game's not over. You know, we talk about $300 um, uh, uh, billion dollars being invested in, you know, this technology since DARPA, uh, give or take, whatever the number is that accumulated the integral of that over all the countries and all the efforts and around the world, China included, whatever, 
But, you know, some of the discussion that, that Rob Maher brings out in terms of what apparently in addressing their mission, um, they, the intent is to put in, in this in the future is, boy, if I was one of the fo other folks out there, you know, trying to do this, I better have some really good students like Bryce, you know, working with me to figure out because I still claim there is an easy solution to this. Don't run into things. We just haven't figured out the elegant way to do it yet. You know, I, I still I, I tell Bryce and the rest of my students, look in my office there. There isn't blood sc scattered all over the walls from the fleas that must have been here. I'm here. So there must have been fleas that fly around and don't smash into the wall. There's so another the message here, too, I think, Alan, uh, by live streaming this, he showed all of these people who do who have purchased FSD that, yeah, you better be paying attention. Even well, yeah, Musk, no, absolutely, you know, of course. But that, that, I think they have. I think here. they have. I think they, they. I think they. I don't. Who knows? I mean, the, the amplification that goes on with the inner inner tubes that are out there and all the whatevers is such that you know one little comment here gets, whereas a, another really solid piece of information just dies so the amplification that goes on by who knows whom by for whatever reason what and people could say we're doing amplification ourselves here whatever it is that i guess you know everybody knows i'm on a mission for something i am on a mission for something i i do think i do think that automation at some point does is a potential way to improve the lives of folks whose lives deserve would love to be improved why not i mean it looks like i'm wrapping myself in an american flag and apple pie and the whole nine yards um, so yeah these are tough but boy I, and i think i think that leads us to the florida av summit and bringing bryce in here it's approaching next week and uh you and Bryce have been pretty busy getting ready for it, and you've got some stuff to show. Yeah, so just to bring Bryce up, last week we sort of showed kind of the, the planning piece of the tools that we're trying to put together. The whole question is, is does any of this stuff really make sense in terms of operating, in terms of the way people might want to just get a ride? Okay, so I guess we'll just start out back at the ODD we created last week. And kind of once you get a two good points, we want to be here and just we create a simulation with a few sets of parameters. I've got a couple prepared that we can just take a look at right now. So basically what we're doing here with this is saying, okay, uh, we have these folks here in Tampa that need a ride, or at least these virtual folks that need a ride. This is a virtual. This is, this is uh, um, um, the uh, second, second life version of <laughs> Tampa. It is uh, all completely um, um, a, a, um, 
creation by using code instead of uh, being real. Uh, but this is these are real distribution distributions of activities for which people want to go, for which we put together a network. For which now we're beginning and we start looking at it. Uh, Bryce, what are we doing? What are we looking at here? Okay, so right now we have the ODP. Um, then we are taking in customers who, based on a probability, decided to try to use our system today. And we're just running through the day, seeing uh, passengers arrive. And uh, so cars. why don't you pause and describe yeah. what is all over the screen? Because, uh, you know, people are seeing this and they're seeing moving, uh, mm -hmm. you know, describe and take a second to, to tell us what's out here. Okay. So to start, let's just zoom in and show one kiosk. So this is the number one kiosk in the ODD with the most trips down in downtown on North Franklin Street. You can see here that there's currently four cars waiting at the kiosk and two individuals that have been placed in two different uh, groupings, uh, which the groupings are important for potential ride sharing. Then it's, you come- Wait, now tell us the data that, that's around there and so on so that people mm -hmm. can look at the numbers. I mean, this is, you know, the idea is to try to understand yeah. uh, how might one might serve the mobility if this, in fact, is. And it, again, this is all virtual. These are virtual people in virtual locations. And so um, what, are, what are all the numbers out there? Take a second and just go around the screen. Okay. So right now, the, with the simulation, we're doing it with a total fleet size 100 vehicles. Whereas that was kind of chosen somewhat arbitrarily at this point, and it I find it it tends to be helpful to do a do a, a couple different simulations, varying some numbers a little bit, to really try to find the ideal number of vehicles for the demand you're looking at. So we're we're basically saying to ourselves, we're going to set up an entity here that's going to provide this mobility. We're going to provide the mobility from these locations, of which there are what um, fifty-one locations, 80, 80, 82 locations that that uh, have been selected out here because of the distribution of where we uh, where this these virtual people might want to come to come from and go to, and uh, we've. The, the 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 algorithm has gone in there and and suggested that they should be there of which you just focused in on the number one and up on the upper left hand corner we see that what we have is our fleet that we have we went out we went to to who knows what showroom that's making vehicles and we bought a hundred of them and we're throwing them out there and we're going to see, hey, how are we going to use these hundred? And these hundred vehicles are going to be somewhat magical. Uh, the magical aspects of these vehicles is that they, they're, they're going to give rides and, and they're just going to give rides. They're going to be, as I like to say, they're going to use an elevator service model. Uh, we're going to ask the folks who want to ride uh, these virtual folks to go to an elevator bank. Uh, we call them kiosks. And uh, sit, sitting there is, is likely to be a vehicle with doors open saying, hey, get in. 
just like an elevator might be sitting there, hey, get in, and, and, and that we've all experienced, or one's going to show up that we're going to get in. And we have a service parameter out here that we happen to set, I think, on this one, right, Bryce? Uh, if, um, after, after we show up at one of these kiosks, we expect to be served, absolutely expect to be served within five minutes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Otherwise, we're going to complain to Michael Senna, who's the poobah there, that, darn it, we didn't get served. And then all of a sudden, you know, and, and, and it's going to leave. Okay. Just like when you get in an elevator, you know, you expect that door to close. Uh, I don't know if we would provide buttons for you to close the door so that when I get in there, I try to close the door to make sure that Fred doesn't come in with us or something like that. Right, Bryce? Or certainly not you, Bryce. You can't ride with Professor. I mean, Professor's has separate elevators. Oh, whatever. I mean, yeah, think of the silliness. Um and so on. And then, then it's going to take me. So if I want you to show, if if I'm going to, to kiosk 28, do you know where kiosk 28 is in your, I don't know. I'm not, how about kiosk 20? It's like, it's like one in the center, the, from the, from the, uh, the okay. Kiosk 42, let's put it. I'm going from kiosk, pick one. Okay. Because I'm going to, you know, this virtual person going to walk to one of those buildings or so on that are depicted below. All right. That's what it's trying to serve. And it's sitting down there in the lower left-hand corner. You can see that it's sitting down there at 1.25.20 a.m. Okay. And we're going to run this thing for a whole day. And up at the top, we sort of have what the bottom line is of the whole day is that uh, is that 13,000 up in the upper left-hand corner, 085 trips are going to be attempted in this because we've already run it through the future. And, you know, this is virtual reality. You know, we can move back and forth in time. We don't have this, this we don't have to deal with God. She's by the side here. And we have all, and it turns out that we, at the end of this one, we can see that 9,285 people apparently aren't going to complain to Michael that they weren't served appropriately, but there are 3,800 people that, oh, darn it, you came up short. Okay. Darn it. We don't like you. Okay. And then some other things in terms of average vehicle occupancies, miles, distance, traveled, average trip times, a whole bunch of other stuff. On the lower left-hand corner, back to there, it is an attempt to provide people with what is going on right now. So at 1.25.20 a.m., there are six vehicles moving. And out of our fleet of 100 vehicles, we have 50 of them basically spread out throughout the city waiting for people. And I guess we have 44 of them in which they're being cleaned out or recharged or having their tires changed or having who knows what at some depot someplace that are being serviced. And right now, 14 people are being served. Uh, six of them happen to be in vehicles moving around and can we find the six where the six or at least in what you see okay. if you uh, one there. Two oh, right here okay so uh, mouse over one of them so that we can see what the heck's happening in that vehicle i mean the data is there I, you know the simulation you have all the stuff 
So this is vehicle number 39 of our fleet of 100. It has one passenger in there. It's uh, it's going to kiosk number one, okay, mm-hmm. which I thought we could name these kiosks. I thought we weren't MIT. Oh. I thought we gave them names. What were the names? Oh, never mind. Okay. It does have a, okay. Oh, we do have, have names, names but, but but maybe we should, you know, use the yeah. names everywhere. We're not MIT, have, you know, buildings called with numbers. What? Go ahead. And you mouse over <laughs> and mouse over that person again in that vehicle. We're peeking in there because, of course, we have a command center that has all this and we're watching what's going on. We know that this is an autonomous thing. We're running this thing. It's watching it. And it, it's going to take 9.4 minutes to go the 4.1 miles between wherever it came from to the, its destination. Okay. So this is what exists here. You can mouse over the other vehicle and see what, what happens there. Mouse over another one. Okay. I mean, just mouse. You can sit there and actually learn what is going on. Somewhat easily interactive graphically. Boom. This is okay. So, and, um, and so far in since midnight, although we, we, we started at midnight at zero, there are some people when we run it at the, when we get back to midnight again, they're still going to where they're going. So there, there's an end problem an end issue that going, we're just doing one typical day, not an end problem. And we've served 255 people so far we've had two. And I assume that what you put out there, that 255 Bryce are the people that aren't calling up Michael saying, Hey, yo, you didn't serve me. Right. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's middle of the, this is middle of the night. We've got vehicles coming out of our ears. Okay. We should have them deployed in places. I said, at least they can get to us within five minutes when we just show up here saying, Hey, yo, I want to ride. And, and so, you know, otherwise we're not doing our job, right, Bryce? And mm-hmm. you have to get back to work and yeah. do a lot more. Darn it, Bryce, please. Okay. Yeah, either. Be mm-hmm. good. Yeah. I mean, uh, cut it out. Okay. Got to make and, improvements. And, and, and we have, and it tells us we haven't missed any customers so far. Oh, we're so good. I mean, what a great dashboard. Let her rip. Now let's watch okay. what goes on in time. So we can just so, let the sucker go. Right and, now we're moving at roughly a minute per second. So about okay. 60 times normal. Yeah, 60 times normal. Make it faster. I mean, you know, nothing much has happened. We know nothing much happens during the night. We're 2 a.m. Uh, keep the string of that, that. Move it forward faster. Okay, let's, let's stop it. Let's stop. stop. Okay, you skipped. Stop. Okay, thank you. I mean, anybody, the beauty of this thing, you just sit there and play yourself and, and do this yourself. Okay, that's the beauty of this. So here we have it, five uh, six fifty six forty one a.m. The lower left hand corner. What? There's only one vehicle moving. What the things? I guess everybody did go to sleep, and and they. I guess they wake up early in Tampa, but they don't get out there too early yet. So keep it going. Go go. So. Jump it up till people start getting out there. Seven, seven twenty-seven, seven to thirty-two, seven. Oh my goodness! Hold, stop it. 
uh, you know, at 7.54, we have 44 passengers, uh, vehicles moving, 28 with passengers, and 16 are moving empty. We're repositioning already. We we probably should improve our empty repositioning algorithm. I don't know, really. I mean, you know, come on, Bryce. Okay, we need some better code in here. But you know, what the heck? We're this is this is where we are right mm -hmm. now. 123 passer and jump it up, move it up to let's let's move it up to nine o'clock or something like that, where we can see some stuff and let her go, rip it up. Okay, we have now 81, oh, 81. Pause it. Oh, did you go buy it? Where in the heck are we in time? Go keep it going. We had a peak out there. Keep it going. We'll go in other vehicles. Let's get one. We have a 82. Stop, stop. Oh, Back up a little. See if you can back up a little to where we had uh, like 80-some vehicles moving or 59. Let's do 60. 82. Great. At this, at 8.32.00 a.m., there are 82 vehicles going out there. And um, and they're all over the place, right? And mm -hmm. uh, uh, 69 of them have passengers. Uh, and I guess I guess we have our whole fleet out there. Okay, because there are 18 vehicles that are that are sitting someplace waiting for customers. And, or likely uh, that they are actually at a kiosk with at least one customer in. Uh, okay, so 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 they already got there. That's that's great, wonderful, and we can go take a look at that by just zooming into the kiosk. Uh, 132 passengers are being served right now. Okay, and uh, let's zoom in on. Let's just pick one. How about the you know, pick a pick what's a green? One. What's a green one? Uh, well, you'll kind uh, okay. of see yeah. down in the bottom right all of the yeah. cars are color coded based on the amount of uh, passengers. We have a couple green served. ones that go go on a green one. There are three. There's ride sharing going on in virtual Tampa. Go go to one of the green ones right there in the center. Isn't there that? What's that guy? This is vehicle number 68 has it's carrying ride sharing. Oh my goodness. And and one's going and one's going to kiosk one and two of them are two of the people are going to kiosk three and the uh, trip time duration, the uh, distance and trips are the 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 all the other stuff. Oh my goodness. And where where are we right now? We also have uh, 132 people that are being served right now. 85 are in motion, 47 are are waiting to see if anybody else gets in at one of the at one of the kiosks because mm -hmm. and still meet the services so that they're not calling michael saying hey we didn't leave within five minutes or whatever the sir we can change it i mean this is virtual mm -hmm. virtual reality just terrific so, and so you're gonna far, be you're gonna be showing all of this at but the let's go so let, let we'll take one more minute if we can let's take it down towards the end of the day yeah, well, let's so, bring it down to about this point because and let us see the Let's see what happens in the evening. Peak. Okay, in the evening peak, we have 70 system, 84 vehicles moving. We've now served. We've had 5,400 customers so far today that we've served. Uh, we've missed 2,000, uh, but we're going on through the day. It's now 6 p.m., ba-ba-boom. Take us to 10 p.m. Uh, there's a lot of nightlife in, in, in this virtual Tampa. <sighs> Out here, we're now at uh, 10, 
8.34 p.m., 9,000 passengers have been served. 3,700 we've missed. I guess we've missed most of the ones that we're going to miss because we ended throughout the whole day. We can cheat. We can look up at the top. We ended up with 3,800 missing. So most of the rest of the customers we're going to serve for the for the remaining hour and two minutes of the day or we're going to do all right. And boom, take it to the end. What this does, folks, is it allows one to think about how you might give rides to, you know, 10,000 people in a day with 100 vehicles. This has, if 100 vehicles have served a total of 9,285 pass uh, peep trips that means the productivity of each vehicle is average productivity is 92.85 persons trips per day if in fact you've done that you can go out there and charge each of those folks a buck for the use of the vehicle you now have basically, you have for each of those vehicles, you have a hundred bucks per day to pay for that vehicle. You multiply that by 300. Right? That means you have $30,000 you've collected to pay for the capital cost of that vehicle. You've used that vehicle for five years. Have whatever salvage value you want on that, maybe even zero. You can buy a pretty darn good vehicle for that buck. You charge another 20 or 30 cents for the maintenance. You charge another who knows what for the, elect for the fuel electricity, e-fuel, whatever. You charge another buck for um, your marketing folks to go out and acquire a customer, your advertising, your operation and maintenance overhead. And as long as you don't have to charge for people in each one of those vehicles to sit in around and wait all day long, and sit with these vehicles, these 100 vehicles, times 24 hours. Because then you have to deal at that pay rate. As long as you don't have to do that, you can make this affordable. As, as we look, when Bryce and I did this for San Francisco for the 7x7, seven seven, we're thinking... $2.43 a ride is break-even fare. Cost, I should say. You charge five bucks. You're going to be in business. You're going to have a profitable operation. You're going to be able to provide your investors some return on their investment. You have a chance of survival. I think, Bryce thinks, 
I think Michael thinks, Fred thinks. This is all about giving people rides. Like an elevator. And if we go to the to the uh, the Atlantic article, you know, the comment is, you know, it's just a ride. You want to forget about it. The reason you go someplace is not for the ride. It's to get to the place where you want to go where, oh my goodness, it's going to improve your quality of life. The thing you're, the thing you're hoping for in doing that is that how you got there, you can forget about it. That's why the elevator has been so successful, so market dominant, so revolutionary, so disruptive in moving people up and down in buildings. Nobody would go to the 14th floor of a building if they couldn't get in something that takes them to the 14th floor and just forgets about it. Yet these companies that are doing this are not doing it to give rides so people can forget about it. They want them to be taking selfies and the deed or the do the deed. I don't know what they want. Unbelievable. And this tool that that you've been working on that Bryce has put uh, so much work into as well is going to be available generally available right to, to, for uh, communities it's on the inner tubes it's on the inner tubes like everything else now of course michael will say people put things on the inner tubes should know what the hell they're doing right i don't mm -hmm. know maybe we don't know what we're doing michael mm -hmm. it's not for lack of trying okay it's not <clears> for <throat> lack of trying and we're putting it out there so you can just take a look you can say hey we're goofy hey this is wrong Oh, we're different than this. San Francisco, okay, 2.1 million type of these trips on a typical day. Longest one's 8.5 miles. It's only 49 square miles. You know, the diagonal is 10 if there was anybody going on the diagonal. Average trip length is, you know, under three miles of trips that are greater than a half a mile. The 2.1 million are greater than a half a mile. And just serve them. What the heck is the matter with it? And if you served them, people could just, hey, and forget about it. I got to a good Chinese restaurant. I got to go see the Golden Gate Bridge. I got to go do this. I got to go, I got to, go to the doctors. I got to go see my friend. I got to go. I got, I, I got to go. The, the things that you want to go for. Which is where you go. Oh, but no, we're going to put cones over all these things and keep them from going anywhere. I mean, if you have to do, if you have to then not only be able to go through the curviest road in the world and be able to deal with the hills and all the crazinesses and how many other people go through turning, think a turning green light is a, is a go straight green light, let alone go through all that stuff. And then you're going to put cones on the hoods and say, hey, you got to be able to do it with cones on the hood. Get out of here, San Francisco. Come on, man. <laughs> Sorry, Bryce, thank you. 
That's a little taste of what people are going to see, I think, at the Florida. Yeah. Well, we're going to show we're going to show this that, that, that and we're going to let people play. I don't know. Maybe we have smoke and mirrors. Maybe we're faking it. Maybe we're making mistakes. Maybe we don't know what the hell we're talking about. Hey, it's a free country. And this is a virtual world. What about it, Michael? What do you think? I, I can't add it. I can't add any more to your to the discussion at this point. Anyway, uh, Michael and I we're, at, we're Michael. We've been working on our book. Uh, it's you know hopefully we can ch change the discussion from lidars and who knows what ours. It has to be safe. It has to work. It can't use smoke and mirrors. Okay, does it have to be perfect? I don't know what I, 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 I'm and, not a perfectionist. Okay? And, and a book we can look forward to come the beginning of next year. And that's uh, something uh, we're yes. all going to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, if we we'll, could, we'll, if have we, a, we'll have another, we'll have another t discussion on that. We'll have another discussion we, on our book. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully several. Well, thank <laughs> yeah. you so much, Michael, for spending time with us again. Uh, My pleasure. The site for the dispatcher and more is Michael L. Senna, S E N A.com. Also, thank you to uh, Bryce, uh, Princeton class of 25. Great work on this, Bryce, and uh, continue on. I'm and Bryce, get yourself on an airplane. Come from Iowa. Classes start, and you know, a week from today. <laughs> I mean, we've got to be ready. I mean, what the heck? We got to be ready to get at the get go here. And you can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, wherever you turn to for, for podcasts, Spotify, mm -hmm. TuneIn, Apple, Google, Amazon, SoundCloud. Get your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching. Please stay safe. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Bryce.